The Athletic. Lauren Hill. So difficult to stop. Oh! And then it's down to Hada. And then it's down to Farpen in Hada. Miedema. Miedema van de Donk is mee. Miedema! Goal, 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 goal. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros edition coming up. Germany pop up with another win, whilst Denmark don't make it harder for themselves. And there's disaster in the Dutch camp. It's Kate Borsay here and I'm joined by Lindsay Hooper, the super trooper. Wouldn't be the first time I've called you that, would it, Hoops? What time did you get to bed last night? Uh, 3.40 a.m. Look, 8-0, you have to go and celebrate. (laughs) And I'm not going to glance over the super trooper comment, Kate, because if you're following my post, you will know that in the dressing room after that win, uh, Leah Williamson, a.k.a. the DJ of the group, as well as captain, was playing ABBA and Dancing Queen. So super trooper, Right up their street as well, I'm sure. Yeah, we also know, courtesy of you, that Pulp and Common People was on before the game. I feel like there could be some secrets to success here. Let's chew it all through with academic and author of Unsuitable for Females. Her latest book, it's Dr. Carrie Dunn. Hi, Carrie. Hello. Yay. See, that's the sort of positivity we want to hear this <laughs> late at night. It surely is. Three women at the helm. Sorry, Lord Sugar, no symbolic men here today. Um, Carrie, because I know how invested you are in the lionesses, you've written three books about them, for goodness sake. Tell me what the day after feels like for you. I still feel like it's a bit of a dream world, to be honest. I was just sitting there just in stunned silence for an hour after full time last night. And so today I've just been like, did that really happen? And it actually did really happen. I've watched the highlights again. And it, it happened just the way I remembered it. I've got a suggestion for your next book, Carrie, after that. Because, I mean, it's a landmark <laughs> result. So greatness, greatness. Greatness. Yes. Great. Yeah. I mean, I thought some of the papers had it better. Fjord Fiesta, um, mm-hmm. I thought was quite good. The Fiesta of the Fjord. Anyway. Yeah. Mm. I prefer greatness. <laughs> <laughs> You've been watching too many Tory party leadership contenders. Oh, no, that's Kate. That's Kate, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, Lindsay, you've had a big day today as well, not just basking in the glory of England, Norway, but also a big interview yes. that you've been doing. Yes, I spoke to Jordan Nobbs, who was not far away from you in the stadium. You just didn't spot her. <laughs> Not until you filmed her. I was so busy blooming filming. I mean, I really lived my life through a bit of a lens last night, I have to say. Uh, Although I did make sure that I enjoyed a bit of the action. But for that particular moment, and you talked to Jordan about it in this show, so I won't give too much away. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Jordan Nobbs inadvertently starred in a video I did, which went a bit viral today. Anyway, more of that later on. Towards the near post area. Tune second in a tournament she thought was always going to pass her by missed 2013 missed 2017 with ankle injuries she's had to wait for such a long time for this 
competition and she gets her second in two games. All right, so we're going to digest the day's action now. Let's start in Brentford where Germany saw off Spain comfortably 2-0 the final result. Germany's impressive start continues. We knew it was going to be a game of contrast, didn't we, Carrie? Both sides play so differently. I was genuinely intrigued to see what we got. And Germany, well, they really dominated this one. It's not that Spain weren't good. It's just that Germany were better and had maybe thought out their game plan better. What, what did you think? Yeah, I think Germany did dominate. But I think possession-wise, they actually had like... So they had a lot less. I think it was like something like 66-33 was that was the possession split. I, I like think that. I have those to have. I think it was 34% yeah. Germany had compared to 66% for yeah. Spain. We know they're a passing side. 564 passes completed for Spain, but ended with zero in the net. Zero goals compared Germany to 90. For Germany. Yeah, Germany were quite happy to let Spain have the possession, weren't they? Carry, carry on. Yeah, absolutely. So Germany were essentially just very effective with their game plan. They they used the ball well. They stuck to, they stuck to the, the the plan they had going out there, and scoring early as well. I think shook Spain quite a lot. Yeah, Germany working well with well. Well, I noticed they were doing a short pass and then a long pass from the back. They were just glad to soak all the pressure up. I think in the first twenty minutes, Clara Bull, the twenty-one-year-old, with that goal on just three minutes. You know, Spain are getting into the habit of conceding early as well. That's something that we should mention. Um, Alexandra Pop was in for Leah Schuller, who of course has got COVID, and Pop just. But, I mean, we've said it before on this podcast, probably every tournament we've done, but Pop just pops up and does it again, doesn't she, Linz? Yeah, and uh, I like that touch as well on the final whistle. She had Shula's shirt on and had put it on the front so that all the pictures, as we know, they will be taken in a frenzy because Germany now through to the quarterfinals, you get those pictures on that whistle and there she'll be with Shula's shirt. So it was a nice touch, a little bit like the touch that we cover in the chat with Jordan Nobbs later. Uh, it's oh, lots still, to do with still shirts. teasing the audience. I know, still, still teasing. teasing the audience. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that I thought that Pop should have had um, certainly a free kick when she was pulled down. It looked like a tug on the shirt. That should have been a card, shouldn't it? What did you think of that, Carrie? Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought I thought it was going to be a red. I was quite surprised that it, it wasn't pulled back and, uh, and and reviews for that. But I, I, I think my initial reaction was, yeah, it was definitely a card. I think this game changed completely because of that error from the Spanish goalkeeper in that third minute that presented the chance to ball. And as soon as Germany were 1-0 up, what that meant was that they were able to defend that lead and just play counter-attack football. That's why those stats that we were talking about are there, the possession stats, the amount of completed passes. There's so many other things that when you look at it overall, Spain looked like they dominated, but they really didn't because it was just Germany. They'd already got the lead. And then they looked so dangerous on a counter-attack, the quick turnover in midfield. And immediately, I mean, Pop, I don't know where she still has her energy from because she is <laughs> so fast to make that <laughs> She's run. She's an example to us all. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, I could do with her back. So yeah, it, it is very much the case here whereby that early goal, I'm afraid, it doesn't matter how much you try and shrug it off and think, well, there's still 87 minutes to play. I'm afraid it was sort of all over at that point because this is a team that won't relinquish their lead very easily. And I think if Germany get in front in this tournament, they are going to be hard to stop. Germany setting up as a 4-5-1, pop as the lone striker, making it really 
difficult for Spain to play through. Quite happy to let Spain have the position, uh, have the possession uh, in the areas where it didn't matter to them. And I loved how clinical Germany were. And we've talked before in this podcast about how there were concerns about the German defence. But my goodness me, they answered all of those this evening. I thought their defence was incredible, just so well timed with their intercept, with their interceptions um, and their tackles. It's certainly not a vulnerability for me, Carrie. No. Um... But Spain didn't, I don't think Spain really put them too much under pressure. I mean, since they got towards the box, they fell apart. I mean, Germany's defence didn't really have to do that much. All they had to do was stay organised and they have to kind of think too much on their feet because Spain were not putting the pressure on that you might have expected of them. So, yes, I thought Germany's defence played well, but I think that Spain could have done more to test them. Yeah, shout out to Catherine Hendrick. I thought she was brilliant at the back and uh, Julia Gwynn as well. We've uh, talked before about um, about how we like her play. She's a right back, but uh, she very much pushes forward. Um, Lindsay, does Spain have a striker issue? We saw Lucia Garcia, didn't we, with a very good chance to follow up, but rounded the keeper too widely. Not a great number nine all round, though, tonight. Of course, they're missing Alexio Porteus. We saw Mariona Caldente in action, who looked good in flashes. But I'm, I just wonder whether overall Spain need to think about whether they have got a striker issue or not. Well, I spoke to Spanish journalist Alex Ibaceta pitch side for this match. I didn't stay for the game itself. I left, came home and watched it at home. But I was doing some pre-match build-up stuff. Um, so she's the lady in the know, isn't she? And she was saying to me, Sheila Garcia, who plays for Atletico Madrid, she didn't rate her as much as part of this front three. So when you say about them having options, I think the answer, Kate, is absolutely they do. They have depth in their squad, but probably the option was on the bench and pretty much staring them in the face because coming on as a substitute later on was Pina, who I think is, is the answer for Spain. And, and I just looked through the squad as well and the quality. that There are some questionable decisions, I think, at the moment, but maybe we've, what we've got is these head coaches and we, we see it with Serena a little bit. You know, she persisted with Ellen White and that paid off. Maybe it's, it's a case of that in this scenario as well. And looking at club form, because we always say that from head coaches, when they, they go on form from domestic into a tournament, that we applaud that. So it might've been partly that as well. But yeah, I'm, I think li- listening to Alex and what she had to say, I think that front three against Germany wouldn't be most Spanish fans' first choice. There was a great chance for Caldente, wasn't there? Around 70 minutes. It was a lovely side volley. In fact, it would have been the volley would have been fantastic had she scored the goal, but it produced probably one of the best saves of the tournament oh, so, so far good. from the German keeper, Merla Frums. Uh, I thought that that was good. I mean, I mean Carrie, let's, let, let's pick up the, the discussion on Spain, either on whether they do have a, a bit of a striker crisis or even picking up on the defence. I know you did a profile recently on Mappy Leon, didn't you? I did, yeah. Mappaleoni is a fascinating character, isn't she? And I saw a lot of tweets uh, just before kickoff going, who's that Spanish player with the two on her neck? (laughs) Tell us about her. She's so interesting. So she's actually an apprentice tattoo artist herself. (laughs) She didn't do it herself, did she? I think she has done some of her own tattoos, yeah. (laughs) But she did a great interview in Spanish a few months back where she's actually in this tattoo parlour where she's doing her training. But she's a keen artist, um, like like sketchbook, and not just with, you know, inks and needles. And, um, yeah, that's she takes her sketchbook with her and she will, she'll sketch like teammates and stuff. But um, 
She's also fascinating to me because she was also the first Spanish professional footballer to come out, male or female. And she's very young as well still. And she was obviously younger when she did that. And she just talks about how important it is for her to kind of blaze a trail, to be a role model. And I just found that Mm. so fascinating in one so young who's so used to the spotlight and is kind of happy to step into it. Here we go then. What is the one message that Mappy Leone needs to tattoo on herself for her and her teammates? Because I think Spain are under a bit of pressure now in this competition. What is the message, Carrie? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, listening to you guys talk about um, the possible striker crisis, I mean, do you think they came in set up thinking, oh, give the ball to Alexia and then everything's fine? And then obviously... (laughs) Possibly. Alexia's... What would Alexia do? That's what they need to have tattooed <laughs> on their forehead. <laughs> what would WWAD? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's Germany three then, and topping the group, it puts them in the opposite half of the draw to England, where they want to be. Let's move on to the early kickoff then. Denmark eventually seeing off Finland in a game that lacked, well, it lacked a bit of pizzazz really, but Pernilla Harder proved the difference as her header was the only goal of the game. The result, 1-0, enough to knock Finland out of the tournament. Uh, Carrie, I know you you watched this one. I caught bits on my intermittent Wi-Fi on the train on the way home from some filming today. Denmark seemed to be very, well, they were frustrating to watch, put it like that, because they just didn't seem to be making the most of their chances. Yeah, I mean, you didn't miss a great deal if you didn't watch all of it, to be honest, Kate. I mean, once you've seen one missed chance, you've seen pretty much most of the match. (laughs) Yeah, they they had plenty of chances. They were very, very wasteful. Um, Finland were under the cosh a lot. I did feel a little bit bad when they had quite a good chance kind of towards the end there was a really great save from from the Denmark keeper but probably Denmark deserved the win but there's not really a great deal to say about it, it was really wasteful and Penilla Harder came out came up trumps for them yeah Denmark have got to be careful as well because they very nearly um had to settle for a draw there was a really good chance late on for Finland and in those situations you know Denmark Denmark shouldn't be notching up just one nil against sides like Finland should they they need to be careful oh absolutely yeah um it was it was basically the Penilla Harder show um yes they should have scored probably three four I mean that that would have been a fair reflection of the number of chances they created will it be the Penilla Harder show next time for what could be what is going to be a crucial game, Spain-Denmark, because we saw the close-ups of her with the ice pack on. It looked like a really horrible clash of heads. So she's either going to have a real shiner or she might even have to be rested. I, I don't know what the the concussion protocol would, would suggest. I mean, I, it, she didn't look like she was concussed. Maybe she passed that. Did you see that, Carrie? Because I was, again, it, intermittent with this game in and out. Yeah, she didn't look very well, I have to say, when they took her off. So, yes, um, the sensible thing would would be to rest her. So that would raise a lot of questions as to who's going to step up in her absence. Well, Spain and Denmark face off against each other on Saturday for that runners-up spot and the chance to face England. Next up, Lindsay Hooper's been hobnobbing with Jordan Nobbs. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euro Edition. Well, we're still on a high from Monday night. So our very own Lindsay Hooper caught up with Lioness legend Jordan Nobbs, who was in the stands taking every single of those eight goals in. 
Jordan, great to speak to you. What a night in Brighton. You were there as a fan. Do you fully embrace the fan experience? Will you sing along with the chants? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I'm a bit of a sucker for, I mean, I, I love football anyway, but when it comes to some of my best mates playing for the Lionesses, it's it's just great. And, you know, every time best scored, she kept looking over and I was like standing on my chair. And so, yeah, no, it, it means a lot for me to still, you know, be fully supportive of, of what they're doing. And we we got to Brighton a few hours before and was around the stadium. And, you know, it's just amazing what it's like now. And yeah, it was a, it was a good day. And you weren't in a special section. You were in amongst the fans, were you? I was a bit family and friends. I think we were a bit segregated, but there was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of both. The reason I say that is our very own Kate caught video footage of Beth giving you her shirt at the end of the match. So did, did that happen more than once? Did you get another one as well? Yeah, so I got hers and I think Leah then was like, oh, do you not want mine? And I said, well, give me yours then. Um, so then I ended up with two, but... Um, yeah, with Beth, I was like, Beth, you better give me a shirt for you, for one of the next games. And then she was like, do you want this one? And obviously I said, not your hat-trick shirt, but yeah, shirt. And then, um, yeah, she ended up giving me giving me hers. And um, yeah, I just, you know, they've fully supported me through injuries and whatever else. So, you know, I'm always going to be there for them for the good times as well. Yeah. And that reaction also blew up then on socials because people were just <laughs> saying such a classy touch. And and is that when you really feel that big hug of the England family and the arm around you again? Yeah, always. And um, I think you forget until you kind of go into them environments, how many people stop you and take pictures. And I ended up putting my hat on because, you know, people are coming up to you so much, but it's just such a nice feeling to to have that um, support and and also the girls. I mean, I'm, I'm walking past Beth Mead shirts and Lucy Bronze shirts and, you know, the game's just changed so much now and it's just an exciting time to, to be in and around it. And you've just got to see it from a completely different angle rather than being out on that pitch. You, you're getting to see it from the stands in the same way that we try and take it in, although obviously your uh, footballing brain is more advanced than ours. Mm-hmm. So what was your take on the performance and the way that it was just so relentless? Where did that come from? I know. Um, don't get me wrong. I think Norway had a bad day at the office, um, naturally. But I think the ruthlessness of the Lionesses, you know, they, they just didn't stop. And, you know, I think when you looked at what we played like down the wings, you know, you had Lucy Bronze and, and Beth Mead. I mean, they had so much time and space to to put a ball in the box or, or get on the ball. And I think that's exactly what they needed to utilise. And that's exactly what they did. So it was a, a great performance. But I think the fact that they, they kept going and kept scoring. Um, it's definitely not an easy job, never mind, you know, in a, a home Euros um, under that type of pressure. I've been reading the newspapers on the way back. And you know, when you see those sections where they do player ratings, I'm sure you've read your own in the past. Uh, who would have got the highest rating for you for from a Lioness? Oh, well, Beth would have been up there. Um and I think also Kira Walsh, I think she pulls a lot of strings in that middle of the park that I think sometimes she makes it look easy, but, um, you know, she definitely spreads the play well and, and and wants to get on the ball in them tight areas, which, you know, as a footballer, it's it's not nice playing with your back to goal and, and getting a ball off your centre half. It's, she definitely makes it look a lot easier than what it is. But I think when you're looking at the strengths of Beth Mead, Lauren Hemp, and then the subs they can bring on with Chloe Kelly, you know, it's... It's England are in a, a great place right now. Did we just see, was it a dashand that walked by in the background? Love a dog. 
Oh, did he walk outside? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. Is that your dog? Yeah, he's all hot and bothered. Um, he caused a bit of manic in an interview a little bit earlier. He was <laughs> dropping his bone on the floor. But um, yeah, he's he's really tired today. What's his name? Uh, Blue. So he's uh, two next week. Have all of you got dogs? I feel like it's a phenomenon across the lionesses. Most of you have. The lionesses do, but the Arsenal team don't. So I was the only one with a dog and um, Steph Catley, she uh, got a little puppy last week um, called Calvin. So he's a new Aww, a new member of the family. Little that, Calvin. Yeah, we're all dog, dog obsessed. So we keep saying to everyone, like, just get one. <laughs> Are you attending all of the England matches? I'm not attending the next one. I've obviously got to rehab and <laughs> still focus on, on myself a little bit, but um, as soon as we know the situation out of the groups, then you know I don't want to miss them them knockout games, and and I'll try and obviously get to every game I can. Although you won't be at the next one, you can give me some insight as to what sort of team you think Serena's going to field. Will she go with consistency and that starting eleven again, or is this a chance for her to rotate? It's a tough one because I think. Um, you know, she's clearly showed that she likes consistency because she's played a team for the first game, a team for the second game, you know, to to kind of get through them games. The girls played well. Um, you know, naturally the girls did well yesterday, but I think it's more that playing Northern Ireland, it's a team that they should really beat. I think with the strength she has on the squad, I can imagine that I think she will make quite a few changes. Um, or if not, I think she'll definitely sub very early on to get people off the pitch if she wants to just keep people ticking over it's it's a very hard balance I can imagine with a manager to say oh do we keep keep them going or actually do we completely rest them we've already mentioned some of your Arsenal teammates it's obviously completely new for Leah to be in a senior tournament as captain what is she like as a captain well I actually only saw her as captain of England for one camp but I mean I've obviously known Leah forever at Arsenal and she's always had that leadership quality in her um you know she's not scared to speak and she's a, a very good speaker as well you know she's she's got a good head on her shoulders and you know I think she's never mind going out you know in a home Euros but wearing the captain's armband it's definitely not an easy task and there's a lot of eyes on you so you know for for such a, a young player still um She's, you know, I've only heard great things and she's fantastic at Arsenal. So I think um, she's getting into getting into the rhythm now. And I think she'll play. She'll naturally play a huge part for this Lioness team. I don't think she's relinquished the DJ role either, because coming down, something I observed yesterday, walking into the dressing room, she had what I can only in a very old fashioned way describe describe as a ghetto blaster. But there was there was common people by pulp pumping out is that is that something she's played at you before it definitely varies all over the place with Leah I mean you know if you speak to her she's a music person anyway but she she does play for the crowd but she'll yeah she'll come out with some either good sing-alongs and I think with the like boom box or whatever whether that's with Arsenal with England we seem to get a bigger and bigger boom box as the the years go on so god knows what we're going to be carrying in boom box is the word I sounded so 1980s (laughs) And she also afterwards, I think it would have been her, was responsible for playing ABBA and Dancing Queen, which I thought had a Scandinavian nod to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does a little bit. Um, that's a good sing-along song, though, isn't it? Yeah. So and, and dancing, I suppose, as well. Yeah, and dancing, yeah. There's a few dancers in the team. You have been part of Just Eat's new initiative called the Club 101. 
tell us about that and what you've been involved with. I've teamed up with Just Eat 101 and they're obviously, you know, it's called the 101 because 101 years ago, women's football was banned, which obviously seems crazy now to think about it. But, you know, they're allowing and providing support to women and girls, 101 teams, you know, to get started, to kickstart basically, enjoying football, playing football. And, you know, not only that, they're providing with, um, you know, kit for the teams, a coaching badge. And I think when I look at when I was younger and how little support you have and you don't really know who to contact, you know, hopefully this can just be an amazing way of um, young girls being able to, I mean, they literally go on Google, just the-101.co.uk and you can look for a local club or, or get support and, I think it's just about, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of something like that to, to help the game or to, to voice where young girls can get support and help and, and grow the women's women's game. What an initiative as well, because it is about access and we hear about even booking uh, pitches is difficult for, for women's teams. So to have this opportunity is fantastic. And you're providing a bit of the intel, the advice as well. A little bit. Yeah, I don't know how good I'll be at that. But um, yeah, no, i um, I obviously did something last week and um, got to meet some of the teams and the girls. And, you know, it, it's just amazing to be that role model or give advice and, and support. And, you know, hopefully that just keeps growing because we, we I think we we talk about it, but who's actually doing something about it? And, you know, this initiative, they're not just saying the women's game's great. They're saying, you know what, we're we're pumping into grassroots football and, you know, the, there's no better way of doing it. And social media, I guess, is something that these new generations are going to be even more <laughs> addicted to. Should I say addicted? I think it is a bit addictive. It is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Is that something that comes up as well about not looking? Because I imagine at the moment the lionesses are trying to have a detox from it. Yeah. So, you know, every time with different managers or different players, it, it changes. But, you know, there'll be some girls that want to be on it, some girls that don't. Um, I actually don't know what they decided on if the whole team don't look at it, but that'll be very rare I think because some of the girls have posted I think so I think I saw Rachel Daly saying someone else would do it for her but I think in the way the game's going you know I think it's healthy for whatever they need and and however makes them feel good as a player and and supported but yeah the the media world it can go good and bad in one day so it's always just having that open mind to it if they are on a blackout I bet they were tempted to look after eight nil <laughs> I bet they were starting switching yeah. it on again I would be um before before you go we want to because you're doing this initiative with Just Eat and it's all about food we thought we'd do some quick fire food questions with you so just your instinctive answer to these it's a work in progress our producer Abby has decided to call it Jordan's Hobnobs for now oh no (laughs) I love it are you actually like it so peanut butter or marmite peanut butter lasagna or carbonara lasagna Ketchup or mayo? Mayo. Carrots or parsnips? Parsnips. Nando's or waggers? Oh, I like both. Can I have a starter and a main of both? Maybe wagger mamas. Uh, curry or noodles? Noodles. Just eat or cook at home? Just eat. You get your paycheck, that's all good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> hobnob or digestive? Hobnob, chocolate ones. Chocolate hobnobs, they are the best. They are the best. And before you go, have you heard 
Hemp to the left, me to the right. No, I haven't heard that. I don't know whether Abby's got it to hand. Have you got it, Abby? Hemp to the left, me to the right. Ellen's up front, Minnie's looking bright. They don't need introduction. Follow Serena's instruction. Hemp to the left, me to the right. Ellen's up front, Minnie's looking bright. They don't need introduction. Follow Serena's instruction. Do you like it? Oh, God, I love it. It's got cheese written all over it, but it's it's catchy, isn't it? And if you can't get it in the terraces, can you get it in Leah's boombox? Yes, I will make sure that comes on. Yeah, hem to the left, me to the right. Excellent. I'm on it. Jordan, it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, go go cool off. Yeah, I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you. Lioness legend and Arsenal player Jordan Nobbs there. Uh, Carrie, I hear that you and Nobbs have now got an affinity as a result of hearing that. Yeah, it looks like me and Jordan Nobbs are actually food twins. I never thought my dietary habits would be the same (laughs) as professional footballers, but apparently they are. How come? I was just listening to that and I was making my choices and hers were exactly the same as mine, even down to Nando's versus Wagamama's, which really surprised me because I know the footballers love their Nando's. (laughs) <laughs> well she also loves parsnips so she gets my vote oh, parsnips. for parsnips over carrots i just i love them to bits in fact i'm, I'm wanting some parsnips right now just nice roasted maybe a bit of honey on them oh, uh, oh, what did oh, she oh. really but go on before we go any further how about me trying to get her to get, have a word in leah's ear i'm, I'm, I'm literally about to say oh, this okay. um lindsay just from the behind the scenes vibes on that on that call with Jordan, um, what do you really think she thought of Hemp to the Left, Me to the Right? She looked like she really liked it, actually. Did Genuinely. She? And Facially. We, we have video footage of this as well. Was she stopped in her tracks by the excellence well, I mean, you're of the pushing composition? It, you're pushing it a bit now to say, was she stopped in her tracks? But I, I did, did. I got. Did the dog go mad in the background? Um, her dashand was on the balcony behind her so I I don't think Blue would have heard Mm. Um, but I think we were on to a semi-promise of trying to get it onto the the boom box that Leah carries in and out of grounds. <laughs> I think she called it a boom box, by the way. I was straight Isn't as embarrassing cases. as me calling it a ghetto blaster. But <laughs> I couldn't think of the phrase and then I found it really embarrassing that I'd said that out loud. I mean, I think they uh, were ghetto blasters before I even knew they were ghetto blasters. See, my generation, yes. which was probably the same as yours and Carrie's, was Wartman's. Yeah. Hi-fis, hi-fis for me. Hi-fis hi-fi. and stack stereo systems. Remember those, Carrie? No, no, no. Oh, all right. I then. would have gone with Ghetto Blaster also. I had a Ghetto Blaster <laughs> as a child. All right, well, let's move on and look ahead to the future. That's certainly what Camp England will be doing anyway. And we're going to look ahead to Wednesday's action. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euros Edition with Kate Borsay. Well, first up, let's talk about Netherlands versus Portugal. Takes place at the Lee Sports Village. And the big news here is that Viviane Miedemar has COVID. To get the mood from the Dutch camp, I caught up with journalist Anne-Marie Postma. How are the Dutch media reacting to the fact that one of their standout star players, Viv, has COVID? Are people thinking that this could be fatal for the team? Could this be a big blow? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was a quite a shock for us. Because we entered the the room where the press conference was held, um, and Viv got tested at 5 p.m. today. So, and the press conference was 45 minutes later. So they just heard of it, and then 
they just started, Mark Parsons started this press conference by making a statement and telling about Viv. So, yeah, we were in shock. I mean, not disbelief, but it was just like, just when we thought things couldn't get any worse, and then you hear this news. I mean, we we basically lost two of our best players from the first match against Sweden in uh, in three days. So, uh, yeah, the mood is not uh, too good, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure it's very tentative. I mean, there is the possibility, of course, of more COVID cases. Jackie Gronin's, you know, already down. Viv's down, as we've just said. Sorry, Van Vienendal, your brilliant goalkeeper. We know that she's out of the tournament. Central defender in Nick Nguyen, she came off during the first half, didn't she, against Sweden. What other update do we have? And this, of course, combined does spell a weakened Dutch side. Thanks. Things can go two ways. Like we've seen on Saturday, um, we've seen the spirit that this Dutch team has uh, by coming back and recovering in the second half that they did. Uh, we've seen that Dominic Janssen, who's uh, left-footed naturally, um, performed really well in the centre. We've seen a really young goalie coming on the pitch and performed really well. And then uh, we've seen Jill Roort and Daniela van der Donk making a switch that worked out. So... I mean, we do have the depth in this team and the capacity to to yeah to work with this and and to learn from it. But then having Viv added to this long list, <laughs> we were just summing up. I mean, she's by far the best player we have. She's the one that everyone counts on the most by making goals. Like Coach Mark Parsons said, it's a big big blow for the Dutch, and now it comes on to to the other players to show what they've got. But that could be as well an opportunity for them and it could bring the energy to, to the team with these young girls thinking, now this is my chance uh, to shine. So like I said, it could turn both ways. But um, yeah, Jackie Groen and Viviana Miedema, those, yeah, it hurts. <laughs> Gosh, you can say Jackie Cronin a lot better than I can. Um, what else did Mark Parsons have to say about um, the approach that the teams got to this game? They try to stay positive, uh, and he mentions the depth of the of the team. Uh, he says Anik Nouwen is making progress. She uh, she was injured. Uh, she has an ankle injury, but um, she won't start tomorrow. And he says there are players to replace these players, but as well that um, Viviana Miedema has a plays a big part in this team. That's I mean you can't deny that, and mm-hmm. she will be missed. And she was our second captain after Sari van Veenendaal. So he didn't want to tell us who would be the captain for tomorrow against Portugal. It's like a so. fated position. No one wants to be captain now, right, Anne Marie? <laughs> <laughs> Do not That's give true. me the captaincy. I want to stay in this tournament, please. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe maybe no one should. Just just play without. (laughs) No, but I mean, in all seriousness, this team, they have a couple of great leaders walking around. You know, we have Sherida Spitzer, who's very experienced as well. We have Jill Dort, who's had just a great season at Wolfsburg. So we do have that. But um, yeah, staying, trying to stay positive. We all could see that Mark Parsons, of course, was struggling with it a bit. And first of all, he also mentioned that they, he just hopes that Jackie and Fief will recover really, uh, really quickly. Mm. Tell us about your standing goalkeeper. Did brilliantly, really, when Van Vienendel came off. What can we expect from her? She's very young, very inexperienced in terms of tournament experience anyway. But she'll be the first choice keeper, will she now? Yeah, she will. Yeah, she has a more difficult name than Jackie Groene, maybe. Daphne van Domselaar. 
Why do you think I avoided saying it, Anne-Marie? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I sensed it. <laughs> uh, no, she, I mean, she's, she's really young. She's just 22, but uh, she, she won the, the, the cup and the championship with FC Twente this year in the, the National League. And coming on a Saturday, it was only her second match for this national team. But like she said afterwards, I mean, she said, I only got the time to be nervous for two seconds. You know, it went all so fast and then she was on. That could be a problem for the next for the match tomorrow because I mean now obviously she has more time to think about it and she was the first person to talk to after the match on Saturday. Everyone wanted to talk to her, so I hope she's she's guided well by by the other players uh, and and they can show her or they can teach her some things about talking to the media, being in a mixed zone, and yeah, so she'll get the nerves under control if she has them, but uh, they might come now, yeah. Look, it was a cagey affair against Sweden, really. Netherlands coming from a goal down. I'm really interested to see what they've got in this one. Uh, That's uh, Anne-Marie Posma, who is a Dutch journalist and uh, speaking ahead of the Netherlands-Portugal game. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Thank you. Anne-Marie Posma there. Gosh, uh, is this enough then to think the situation with the Netherlands and injuries and illness. Is this enough for Portugal to think that they can get something from the game, Carrie, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they, they were they were dropping, weren't they, during the during the first match with uh, Van Vienendel taking out two of her defence and uh, then Anik Nguyen. And oh, yeah, and now with fifth with COVID, this worries me because obviously, as we all know, how infectious COVID is with grown and gone, now Viv gone, mm. is there going to be a couple more um, in the next couple of days? Well, I'm going to interrupt you there to just give my bleak prediction again. I know Kelly Summers mentioned this the other night and she said I'd predicted that a couple of big players would go because of COVID. Yes, but actually my bigger prediction is that one of the favourite teams will be wiped out oh because of gosh. COVID. The, the I'm, I'm totally allowed to say, I'm totally allowed to I say this, by the way. I actually said the Netherlands would be the first big nation to go. And you're, okay, you're well, going to steamroll in there? And no, tra- no, no. I haven't said that, it, that it's the Netherlands who are the first okay. team to go because of COVID. You can have no, the Netherlands No, not because of leave, COVID. Lindsay. I didn't say because of COVID. No, exactly, exactly. So I'm saying okay. because of COVID, one of the favourites is going to go. And it could be the Netherlands based on mm-hmm. what we're getting so far. You think the Netherlands could be the first team to exit the tournament? Um, oh, no, course, I don't well, think they're the first, Kate, because obviously f- Northern first, Ireland have already gone. No, as in the first of the favourites to exit. Yes, is what I mean, first of the big teams. Yeah. <laughs> Can you teams. tell it's eleven o'clock at night and Lindsay and I are a bit tetchy? <laughs> <laughs> This this is what it's like behind the scenes. Carrie, you might need to come on and blow a referee's whistle in a minute. So I'm all you know, for Portugal fact fact. fact. <laughs> It has to be factual, Carrie. Um, and you're a, uh, you're a writer of a book, so write you. You've got to be with me on that. Okay, I I really don't care enough to be <laughs> refereeing this. To be honest, ladies. <laughs> I think I think everyone thinks like this when we start to have a little chip away at each other. Anyway, um, all right. So yeah, Portugal, good chance, good chance here. I mean, look, they they basically have to capitalise on it. Um, let's talk about the other game that's taking place on Wednesday: as Sweden meet Switzerland. That's a five pm kickoff in Sheffield. We're all on tummy bug watch 
for this one. Switzerland, well, they've been taken down due to a tummy bug, missing lots of players in training on Monday. I gather that though today, Tuesday, uh, several of them are back, but I am still renaming this fixture the Swedes versus the Squids. Um, what do we... We don't know whether do, it was lasagna, do we? <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, Carrie, you and I, there is a special place in our heart for Sweden's manager, Peter Gerhardsson. Oh, um, Cagey cagey is how I would sum up their first game against the Netherlands. We need to see the Sweden we know and love in this one, don't we? Yeah, and I think we will. I think they'll come out with a with a very different uh, plan of action uh, against Switzerland than they did in the first match. And yes, hopefully more classic press conference words from, from Gerhardsen afterwards oh, as well. Yeah, we have just yet to see that so far. Uh, what do you think about this one, Linz? With the tummy bug, because I have thought that there have been glimpses of Switzerland that have shown that they they can be a real contender in the future. Um, but I think with the tummy bug situation, I think we're going to see another big scoreline posted. I think if everybody else, when we've talked about the contenders for this tournament, they've posted landmark scores along the way, I think Sweden might do exactly that here with Switzerland. And it, and it, it won't be their fault. They'll probably be without their key personnel. So... Uh, 6-0? 6-1? What? 6-1. No, no. I, I, I think it's going but 6-1. Yeah, I think it's going to be closer than that. Uh, Carrie, do you, have, do you have a score prediction on this one as we've gone there? Well, I went for, an, for a narrow win for England against Norway, so I don't ask me for score <laughs> predictions. And <laughs> <laughs> um, One bit of good news is that Stina Blackstenius should be ready to play from the start for this game. She was still uh, slightly blighted by her injury Patrick. in that game. <laughs> I don't even need to finish my sentence, do I? All right. Well, just before we finish, the WSL fixtures are out. Uh, round one starts Saturday, 10th of September. The opening weekend features, well, Manchester City versus Arsenal is probably the really big game there. Uh, I feel like it's sort of circa 2020 with uh, Tottenham Hotspur versus Manchester United on the opening weekend as well. Anyone else particularly excited uh, for what they've seen from these fixtures? Carrie? I'm quite excited to see how Liverpool are going to going to fair back back in back in the big time and reading first up is an interesting challenge it'll be a nice one to see exactly how they're going to do the rest of the season so yeah i'll be looking out mm. for that one chelsea west ham as well lindsay yes uh, we we want to start with the champions don't we and see if they can get off to a winning start um we could see arsenal chasing from the off because if they face a really rampant Manchester City because they ended the last season so well, City. I think that's going to be a real tough fixture for Arsenal. And they don't want to be behind already. We've seen that just one defeat or dropping points, even early on, can just but mean so much. City have lost players. So without Lucy Bronze, remember, we've got a different City team. Well, yeah, though, they, we? they, they are looking very different. Um, so that that is... That is a good point. Arsenal to win the league, uh, producer Abby says, who's an Arsenal course, fan. Yes. Um, the penultimate match day, Kate, does really excite me as well. Two derbies. You've got a London derby between Chelsea and Arsenal and a Manchester derby between City and United. All right. Well, we'll let our listeners savour that uh, and all the football that's ahead. Don't forget uh, that we've got daily podcasts here on the Athletic Women's Football Show Euros edition. Don't forget to follow us or subscribe to the show channel. Keep telling your friends and family about us too. Keep sharing the magic. 
Hemp to the Left, Mead to the Right song, please. Uh, and that's all we've got time for today. Carrie Dunn, thank you very much for that. Please go out and check out Carrie's book. It's her third masterpiece and it's called Unsuitable for Females. And it's all about the women's game, of course, with uh, a nod to uh, what's going on at the Euros as well. And thanks very much to Anne-Marie Postma as well and to you at home for listening. And thanks to you, Lindsay. I'll speak to you soon. <laughs> The Athletic.